Coming up next on Contemplate. That is why, by the way, when you mention the name of Jesus at work or at a party or at Thanksgiving dinner or whatever, you get a much different reaction. There's a palpable tension in the room when the name of Jesus comes up that's not there when you bring up Santa Claus. We're in Acts chapter 14, verses 1 through 7, where Paul and Barnabas were preaching the truth about Jesus in Iconium. Lots of people believed, but a lot didn't, and they violently opposed the gospel. Why do some people get so upset about Jesus? Let's find out. If I tell you guys that I believe there's a fat guy who lives in the North Pole, name is Santa Claus, and he brings gifts to all the children of the world, right? And he really exists. And you choose not to believe that, you're, it's probably not going to make you that angry, right? You might be like, Pastor David's an idiot, right? And, and you know, fair enough, right? But what would you do about it? What would you do about it? Nothing. You wouldn't be upset. Who cares? It's not a threat to you that I believe in Santa Claus, which I don't, just in case you're going to tweet something. I do not believe in Santa Claus, okay? But what you do not do is go outside and find rocks and try to stone me because you aren't convinced that Santa Claus is real. But these people did get violent. There were two sides, those who sided with the apostles and those who didn't. And one of them got violent about it. Now, that is not a normal reaction to not believing, right? Why is the gospel so dangerous? Why is it so dangerous? Why do these people who don't believe not just pass it off, but rather get violent about it? Why does that happen? Think about it. They're sitting here and they're going, I just, I can't believe these people are going with this new idea where they're supposed to love their neighbor and do good to people and give to the poor and whatever. This is horrible. Let's stone them. That doesn't make any sense, right? That doesn't make any sense. These people are not acting normally, okay? There were people at that time, by the way, FYI, that were following all kinds of weird and crazy religions, all kinds of stuff. I mean, wild, crazy stuff, some of which was actually dangerous. We'd be like, yeah, we probably should stone those people. That's pretty rough over there. But they weren't doing that. They were coexisting, right? You've seen the bumper sticker. That's what they were doing. They were, they were living with all of these people. But all of a sudden, somebody comes and, and preaches the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and there's violence is the reaction. Violence. So, if Paul and Barnabas were just simply convincing people that liver actually tasted good. You know, people were believing that. People aren't going to get violent over that. If they convinced people that they should worship the planet Xenon, they wouldn't have been upset. There were people worshiping all kinds of stuff like that. But for some reason, there's something different about Jesus. Why are they afraid of Jesus? I'm going to give you a couple reasons why I think they are. First, this is a spiritual war. A spiritual war. Why is it that there will always be opposition to Jesus? Because there really is a devil. Yes, really, there really is a devil. And there really are spiritual powers that hate God and Jesus and do not want his name proclaimed. They know their time is short, and they will do anything they can to oppose the word of God. That's happening. You can't see it, but it's happening. 
Like many things that are happening that you can't see, there is a spiritual war going on for the hearts of people. And whenever Jesus is talked about, you will see that war begin. That is why, by the way, when you mention the name of Jesus at work or at a party or at Thanksgiving dinner or whatever, you get a much different reaction. There's a palpable tension in the room when the name of Jesus comes up that's not there when you bring up Santa Claus. Right? You talk about Jesus like, okay, we're all just very uncomfortable. Let's pretend like that didn't happen. Right? Why is that? There's a spiritual war going on. There's something real happening that you can feel but, but you can't necessarily see. That's, that's one reason. The second reason is very interesting, and, and I think that we, we need to kind of dig in a little bit more with this because I think we all sort of struggle with this one. The second reason is that believing in Jesus threatens the rhythms of our lives. Believing in Jesus threatens the rhythms of our lives. What does that mean? We have all set up our lives in a certain way. We have set up our lives in a certain way. We have rhythms to the way that we live, things that we do, right? We all have certain things that we have to do, like go to work or go to school, eat, take a shower. And then we have certain things that we do because we want to do them, right? Uh, we set up our lives based on our priorities, and often our priorities are those things that we catch from the culture. And so at some level, our lives, the rhythms of our lives, are flowing with the rhythm of the culture, and everybody's kind of in this, in this sort of, I'm okay, and you're okay, because we're all kind of in this rhythm. But here's the problem. Jesus was marching to a different drummer, right? He was counterculture. He was constantly turning culture upside down, completely, right? Oh, you don't think women are important? Boom, you're wrong. I think women are incredibly important. I'm going to regularly honor them. I'm going to regularly use them in ministry. I'm going to regularly whatever in a culture that said women were unimportant. Jesus says no. Oh, you think that you cannot like somebody because they're from a different race or speak a different language or from far away? Boom, wrong. No. Everyone is the same in Christ Jesus. I don't look at them differently. I've created all of them and I love all of them. Not the way things were back then. Oh, you want to hate your enemies? No, right? On and on. Oh, you'd like to you do this. You'd like to do that. You, you want to be the most important person? Okay, wash people's feet. Serve everybody. These are countercultural. This is not the way that culture was. It didn't fit with the rhythms of culture, and therefore it didn't fit with the rhythms of people's lives. It's a threat to those rhythms. People primarily, and to this day, even those who are religious, follow a religious system. If you look at them and you can study them and time after time after time, idea after idea after idea is always one thing. And that is you do X to get Y. All of them, all of them, you do this and then you get this thing. Be good, get the, get the prize. And, and Christianity flew completely in the face and said, you're not good. Follow me and get life. Grace is life, right? By grace, through faith, you are saved. The only religion like it, completely countercultural. Follow one of these other religions. Go sacrifice the thing and, you know, get the whatever, and the priest gives you the token or whatever, and everything's good, right? Don't do one of those. Don't do this one. Don't do this one that changes everything, that changes the culture, that changes the rhythms of our lives. We don't like it, and they got violent about it. 
They got violent about it. So where, where culture is calling us into sort of this warm bath, this rhythm where we sort of do our thing, pretty much designed to not think about those things that would make us feel guilty, those things that would make us face our own sin, even admit that we're sinful, and instead designed to kind of keep us preoccupied. And Jesus comes along and says, no, 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 no. No easy, no comfort. I'm calling you to go further up and further in, deeper into joy, but you got to give away some comfort first. And that's not consistent with the rhythms of the lives that most of us want to set up for ourselves, especially me. Some of you may have seen the movie The Case for Christ, which was actually a good movie. But the part that's interesting for what we're studying today is the way that Lee Strobel, Lee Strobel is an atheist, and his wife, the, the basis of the movie, his wife becomes a Christian, and then Lee Strobel goes through, he's, a, he's an investigative journalist, actually was an attorney, I believe, originally, um, or at least went to law school, and was an investigative journalist, and, and so when his wife became a Christian, he went and sought out the experts to try to figure out whether or not Jesus rose from the dead. Because he was an atheist, right? That's the movie. So no spoiler alert, but he's a Christian now. So uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> when his wife comes to know Jesus, his reaction is not, oh, that's cool. Do your thing. He's angry. He's frustrated. Their, their marriage starts heading, going on the rock, starts heading towards divorce. And why is it? Because in following Christ, she messed up the rhythms of the life that he had put together for them. He couldn't deal with it. He couldn't deal with it. That's, he was angry, right? We don't want to change the rhythms of our lives. We don't want a new boss. We like our idols, right? We like those things that give us comfort. And we don't like it when other people do something that causes the rhythm of their life to change, which is going to affect the rhythm of my life. Because your change in rhythm spreads out through culture starting with those who are closest to you and moving out in directions. Because when you say, uh-uh, I'm going this other way, it affects everything, which is why we want to make a splash here in this city that reverberates out and messes with the rhythm of everyone's life through Jesus Christ, right? But when we see it in somebody else, what happens is when somebody starts to follow Christ and their life starts to change, the rhythms, the things that they do, the things that they like, the things that they care about start to change. What it does is for those who are not following Christ, it starts to force them to face things about their own sinfulness, their selfishness, their own desire to be in charge. And they don't like that. They don't like that. That's why they're picking up rocks. Why am I here? Why would I move my family from Tennessee to Camas so that I could proclaim the name of Jesus Christ? Because Jesus has changed the rhythms of my life. Why do so many of you show up at 8 a.m. at some elementary school in the middle of a neighborhood to haul speakers and drum kits and whatever into a room so that we can all get together and talk about Jesus? Why? Because Jesus changed the rhythm of your life and the things that are important to you are different than the things that used to be important to you. That's what's happening. Why do our youth go to a retreat for a weekend, right, and listen to Glenn talk and whatever? Why do they do that? Because Jesus is breaking into their lives and changing the rhythms of their life. No one does that because they believe in Santa Claus or knives that can cut through shoes. Those kind of beliefs do not 
cause that kind of change. They just don't. No one's moving, you know, giving up a law practice and moving to Camus because there's a shoe that can cut through, uh, I mean, a knife that can cut through a shoe. It doesn't happen, right? Or that Santa Claus brings Etch-a-Sketches to all the kids. That just doesn't cause it. But following Jesus does. And here's the deal. Every time. And things much, much more radical than things probably any of us have done are done by those who are constantly putting their faith more and more and more in Christ, pressing deeper, further up, and further in, and the rhythms of their lives change more and more and more as God draws them close to himself. Because they believe something. This is the thing that you can believe that will truly change your life, believing that life is in Jesus and only in Jesus. Paul and Barnabas were bold, right? They stayed in Iconium a long time after people were getting upset, speaking boldly in the Lord. God was doing miracles through their ministry. Why? Why are we bold? Because we believe something is true. See, here's the thing. Paul knew Jesus was the Son of God. He had seen him. He had seen him. He had talked to him. Or Jesus had talked to him, right? He was going to preach the word because he believed, because he knew that it was true. Why will people rant and persuade about climate change or animal rights or how great a trip to Disney World is or how great this Netflix show is? Why will people spend incredible amounts of time typing it up on Facebook or talking to their friends or whatever, convincing, getting angry, getting whatever, trying to convince about all these things? Because they think there's something good about it and they think it's important to persuade. Why do we, all of us, persuade people about all these things? Oh, I think this team is the best team in sports. I think this thing, I think that thing, or whatever. But we don't have the same passion to persuade about the gospel. How much time have you spent in the last year when you're talking to your friends or your family or whatever, telling someone about your favorite show or a great movie that you saw that they should see or some place that you went that they should check out or a book that you read that was good, a website that you saw, your sports team that you love, whatever. How much time have you spent doing that, talking about those things? And how much time have you talked to the same people about the most important thing in your life, life in Christ? I think it's something that we have to think about. And why is it so hard, even as we follow Christ, to change the rhythms of our life? Because it is hard, right? Because we have to submit and surrender to God in order for Him to change the rhythms of our life. If we're holding on to it, it's not going to change. And so we have to allow God to transform us. The work is actually not hard. He'll do it. He'll do it, but one by one, you've got to burn the idols. One by one, you've got to give up sin. One by one, you've got to say, no, no, not me, you. Not me, you. Not me, you. And as you do that, that's when crazy things happen. That's the kind of change that is awesome. And I mean that in the real sense of the word, not the one we use to say everything that's good. I mean awesome. I mean amazing. I mean I mean, transformational, life-changing. There's no other way that it happens but through the power of God. That's when that happens. That's when people get violent. That's when the gospel divides a city. And make no mistake, the gospel will divide this city too. Because we're not going to stop 
preaching the word of God. We're not going to stop. We're not going to stop loving intensely, wildly, loving one another, serving one another, giving. We're not going to stop doing it. We're going to be diligent. We're going to continue to push forward because that's the call that we have in Christ. And in doing so, what's going to happen? You just keep pushing and you keep pushing. You let the Holy Spirit work because it's his work. But what's going to happen is there are going to be those people who are going to say, I believe. It's real. I know it. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by him. There are going to be those. And then there are going to be those who say, I don't like it. I don't like that you're breaking in and trying to change the rhythms of my life and the rhythms of this culture. And they're going to fight against it. Both are going to happen. Both are going to happen. If we keep letting Jesus change us. Before you were following Christ, or if you're not following him yet, you thought that your time was yours, your money was yours, your thoughts were yours. And then when we follow Christ... Those who choose to follow Christ find out that's not true, right? It's not true. When we get in Christ, Jesus starts to change the way we think about all of those things. All of those things. What I'm calling us to do is to give the world around us something to get angry about. Get some rocks thrown at your head. Because you love so wildly and give so generously and serve so lovingly and diligently. Have people look at Acts Church and say, what is going on with these people? And either be drawn to the sweet aroma of Jesus Christ or turned away from it. Because they choose themselves. But let's, but let's put that decision to our city. That's what we're called to do. The next time that you're thinking about talking about your favorite whatever, fill in the blank, I just want you to take a second in your mind and say, I'm persuading somebody about something that I like or that I love or that I think is good. Am I also persuading, ranting, talking about, doing all this about Jesus Christ, who's completely changed my life? Am I living in such a way that they can see it? And am I talking in such a way that they know I believe it? Have the rhythms of my life changed? Next time that you are going to either go be with your brothers and sisters at life group or at church on Sunday or, or Ben's breakfast or whatever, and you're between that and the other thing that you could do, I just want you to think, what does it look like to have Christ change the rhythms of my life? What choice is consistent with that? I'm not saying you can never miss any of those things. I'm just saying it's something to think about when you're making that choice. Something to think about. What does it look like? God transforms us and changes our priorities. We begin to love things that we did not used to love. Sometimes things that we used to hate. We care about things that are different and the rhythms of our lives change. I want to see the floodgates open up here. I want to see the power of the Holy Spirit working. I want to see miracles. I want him to do it again and again and again. I want God to just work in power, just like we've seen here in the book of Acts. There's nothing and no reason to believe that God will not work in the hearts of people and transform people here if we will be diligent and allow the rhythms of our lives to look like a follower of Christ. To do that, we've got to give up. We've got to give up. We've got to give up. We've got to surrender. Don't let some drunk guy at the hotel who likes a sci-fi show, be a better evangelist for that show than we are for Jesus Christ. 
Believe, do. Believe, do. I love you guys because God loves you. And he thinks you're amazing and made you to be. And I agree with him. I'm sure that he needed my agreement. Um, But I want to see the rhythms of our lives continue to look like the rhythms of lives surrendered and sold out to Jesus Christ. That's what Paul and Barnabas are doing. Okay? Historically, from numerous inscriptions, we know that Christianity took a foothold and became deeply rooted in the city of Iconium. Deeply rooted. We have the historical evidence of that. There are people who are alive eternally with Christ because Paul and Barnabas allowed God to change the rhythms of their lives. I want God to use me like that. I want him to use you like that. Are you willing to live flat out for Jesus? That's the goal. And if you have questions about all this, or we can help you find the joy and hope of a life with Christ, call us at 360-885-9000. Send us an email if you'd like. Use info at axchurchnw.org. And even better, come see us this Sunday morning at Axe Church. Easy directions and all the info you need are just a click away at axechurchnw.org. Hope to meet you this Sunday. And I hope you'll be right here next time for more with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.